good? Alright, let's just keep going. I want to pray for, uh, let's pray for a nation and we'll jump into the word, alright? So, we need Jesus. More than ever, we need Jesus, right? So, Father, we come to you now and we, uh, we thank you um, for allowing us to live in this great nation. For all of our flaws and weaknesses, we could point those out. They get pointed out a lot, but you've done a good thing in this nation. And this nation has, has been founded upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, we ask that you would help us to stay there and never leave that place. I ask that our nation would turn back to you. I ask that you would send your Holy Spirit and convict our nation for our, our unrighteousness and our immorality, for our weak faith. Hmm. I ask that you would call us back to you, Jesus. Forgive us for our sins as a nation. Forgive us for the millions of children we've aborted. Forgive us. Forgive us for allowing the sex slave industry to operate in our nation. Forgive us for allowing abuse to happen to women and children in our nation. Forgive us for the over-sexualized culture we live in in this nation. Forgive us for the greed that's in our nation. Forgive us for the injustice that's in our nation and the hatred that's in our nation. I ask God that you would bring us back to righteousness. We ask for revival in our country. <laughs> we ask for another great awakening in this country. That there will be salvations, healing, and deliverance, Lord. That the prophecies that the stadiums will be filled with people hearing the gospel and giving their hearts to Jesus would come to pass in Jesus' name. That there will be millions of souls enter into the kingdom in Jesus' name. That whole nations would turn, turn back to you. The whole cities would turn back to you. Whole states would turn back to you in Jesus' name. God, I ask for the church of America to come back to the roots. That we would come back to the roots of the gospel, the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Forgive us for preaching all these other things, for adding to or taking away from your word. Bring us back to the pure gospel. God, I ask that the church would rise up like a warrior. That she would rise up and stand in her place. That she would become beautiful without spot and without wrinkle. That she would stand in strength and honor, in purity, and in power in Jesus' name. God, I pray for every denomination in our country to come to a place of revival. Every denomination. Whew. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's what I want. <laughs> That's what I want. Well, I just want to keep going from last week if you weren't here. And if you were, I apologize. This is going to be another day of um, truth-telling and operation. Um, I, I, I think I went back and retitled last week, Pharisee-ectomy. 
and we're just going to go with part two today. I'm not going to, I don't know if I'll get away from it from the next few weeks. I'm going to start part two and we'll probably have part three next week. Um, but in, in so Matthew 15, so if you want to open there, we'll get there in just a moment. Um, but I think what the Lord has been talking to me about, and he told me that this isn't just for me, that this is for our house, is that we would break the religious spirit, which is a Pharisee spirit that, that has come and taken hold of the church. And it's a sneaky one because outwardly we look religious, we look spiritual, we look holy, we look pure, we can say the right things, we can quote the scriptures, we can even do the stuff, and it looks like Jesus in some ways, but not all the way. And uh, the Bible says that when we, we hear the word and we hear the word, but we don't put it into full practice, then we deceive ourselves. And I'm, I'm afraid that much of where we've been as a church is that, that we've just been on, on cruise control and we think that we're okay, like I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I'm okay, my family's okay, like everything's pretty good right now. I mean, it, it could be better, but man, at least I'm saved and I have Jesus in my life and, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy. All, I'm, my neighbors fight all the time and their marriage is falling apart and, and my, my, some people in my family, they're, they're, they're addicted to alcohol, drugs, addiction, whatever, but, but I'm okay. Come on. Like, I'm all right. And that's not, that's not okay for us anymore. Like, um, it's not okay f- for us to, to jump in the ark and close the door and just wait till the flood's over. We're, we're supposed to call everyone into the ark. We're supposed to say, hey, there's a place of safety that you can run to. There's a place of shelter from the chaos of life. There is a place of, of freedom. There's a place of peace where you can live there. It's not a place you go visit and then come back to your chaos. It's an actual place you can live. There's a man named Jesus who will come into our lives and he will bring himself who is peace and freedom and liberty. And it's, it's not temporary. It can be permanent. And it's not just for me, it's for you, it's for all of us. Like, there's room in the ark for everyone. Like, and, and there's no restrictions to get into the ark. There's only one restriction. Just go through the door into the ark. And the door is Jesus. Like, it doesn't matter what your baggage is that you're carrying. It doesn't matter what your heart feels like or the... the, the, the the sin of the world that's all over, that doesn't matter. If you'll just go through the door of Jesus, he'll take care of all the stuff that hurts you. Just come through the door. Like we've gotten, we've gotten really restrictive as Christians and we're, we're like, here's all the stuff you got to do before you can go through the door. That's not how I got saved. Like I didn't, I didn't come to Jesus and him say, all right, Jared, before you can get there, you got you to gotta cleanse yourself. You got to clean yourself up, all right? You got you to take care of all of these things, and then you can come back and knock on my door, and maybe I'll have time then, and we'll go back to the list and make sure that all the stuff is checked. If that was the way we came to Jesus, none of, us, none of us would find him. Even if right now we've been walking with Jesus for a long time, if we had that same attitude, we could come to him now, and, and we still couldn't get in. With all of our good deeds that we've done and all of our prayers and all of our hunger for him, none of that gets us into the door. Only faith gets us through the door. And what we're doing to the world as Pharisees is we're stealing their opportunity to believe that they can even enter the door. 
because we've got so many rules and we're so worried about our, our beliefs and our denomination. All those things matter. Listen, they all matter. All the stuff, the, the following Jesus and obeying his commands matter, but they happen after we come through the door. Got to get into the door first. And what we've done is, as Pharisees, is, is we've gone, the Bible, there's a, a, a parable he tells. He says, you go over, you Pharisees and teachers of the law, you go over mountains and you go overseas. You go way far distances to make converts. And then you make them twice the devil you were. And I want to repent for that. I want Fire Life to, to be a place where we just open the door. We open the gates and say, everyone, come in. Once you get in, then Jesus does the rest of the stuff. We're here to walk you into relationship with Jesus, but you got to get in the door first. And what we've done is we've made, we've made it impossible for people to feel like they can enter the door because we've become Pharisees. And, and we think because we know stuff, that we have the right way to, to enter in the door. And because we have revelation and because Jesus has told us stuff and because we've read stuff and we've experienced stuff, that somehow that stuff has to come on this side of the door. But it goes on the other side of the door. It's not on this side. It's on the side. Once you step into the door, then you walk into that relationship with Jesus. I mean, how many of you can have, you have a testimony where you came to Jesus with baggage <laughs> yeah. and Jesus has been dealing with that stuff as you walk with him, right? How many of us still have some baggage? And you know what? He still lets me walk with him. He still walks with me. And when he speaks to me, he's purifying me as I walk with him. And as he talks with me, he purifies me with his word. The Bible says by the washing of the word, he purifies us. But if we don't get into the door or start a walk with him, we can't have that opportunity. And my fear is that we've become so professional at Christianity. We've become professional about all the stuff, but we've forgotten that it's about a walk with Jesus. And in, in Matthew, he quotes and he goes, they're like, hey, how come your disciples don't wash their hands? We mentioned this last week. It's Matthew 15, 1 through 20. He's like, why don't your disciples wash their hands? What does that sound like? Well, how come you don't speak in tongues? How, how, come, how come you do this thing? You have this vice in your life. But we know you're not supposed to do that. That's the wrong way to live. How come, how come those people act that way? That sounds like what we do. And what we're doing is we're restricting access to the place of life. And, we're, and in a world that needs hope more than ever, and the church is supposed to be the voice of hope. Yeah. But what is our hope? Christ in us, the hope of glory. There's supposed to be something in us that actually causes something inside of people to leap at the prospect of having a better life. Yeah. Our life, we should live such good lives among unbelievers that they see our good deeds and then they want to glorify our Father who's in heaven because of the life that we live. But the key to this is not that they copy our good deeds. 
It's that they believe that there's a chance for them. This is what a Pharisee spirit does. It cuts off the hope from people that I actually could even enter that door. I'm too wicked. I'm too sinful. I have too much baggage. It's going to be way too much work for me to get all this stuff taken care of to follow Jesus. No, it's not. That's not how this works. I mean, Jesus takes a woman who'd been in multiple marriage relationships. She's living with someone that wasn't her husband. She was an adulterous woman, the Bible says. And in a moment, he changes her life, and then he just says to her simple phrase, now go and don't sin anymore. No restrictions. He didn't say, okay, wait, wait, wait. I can't talk to you until you say a, a prayer. Until you, until you confess everything you've ever done wrong. Like, I, I can't have relationship with you. I can't do it. Jesus didn't treat people that way. Because it's with faith that we enter in the door. It's by faith. Shagun was all over. It's about believing that there's a place of freedom. That there's a resurrection from my dead life. And as Pharisees, I, I'm just, I, I've, I'm being set free from this. Come on. We're all going to be set free from this, amen? We're all, let's keep going. Because our life should cause people to believe there is a resurrection. We carry around, the Bible says, we carry around the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in our bodies. We carry him around with us, the resurrected Savior. We carry him around with us. And if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, then he will quicken our bodies. Here's what happens. It causes us to believe that there's hope, but it causes everyone around us to also believe that there's a resurrection from our dead lives. But the Pharisees are like, hey, they don't do the right stuff. They don't wash their hands. And I'm just going to read it because we'll make it professionally official, right? Matthew 15, verse 2 says, Why do your disciples transgress their tradition of the elders? Not even the law, traditions. They don't even wash their hands when they eat bread. Now, I can understand the way they broke bread back then and passed it on, the offense of, hey, he didn't wash his hands, right? This is where they were. And Jesus said to them, well, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? He's saying you're forgetting that there's a law that's higher than your laws. There's a tradition higher than your traditions, and it's God's. He says, God says to honor your father and mother, and he who curses his father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he, he doesn't, then he need not honor his father and mother. Thus, you've made the commandment of God to no effect because of your traditions. He goes, you're a hypocrite. Isaiah prophesied about you and he did well when he said this. These people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain worship, vain worship. God set us free from vain worship. In vain, they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. In other words, they take the Pharisee belief system and they make it now the new doctrine that everyone has to live by. 
And if people don't live by this doctrine, then they don't have access to Jesus. And he's saying, this is not the way this works. And I want us to to continue through this process over the next few weeks of asking Jesus to, to drive out the leaven of the Pharisee that's inside of us. Let me go through a couple of things and we're going to close. I'm not going to be long today. But Pharisees take what should be an act of obedience, right? Which leads to a reward. See, this is, doesn't make sense when you think it through. The Bible says that those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Which means that if I seek the Lord and I bring Uh, sacrifices of obedience to him, then there is always a reward attached to my obedience. Always. Somehow the Pharisee mindset takes an obedient act unto the Lord and twists it into a task. And says, okay, you got to do this task. And when you do this task, then you're entitled to a specific outcome. Do you see the sneaky difference? They seem like they're similar. Well, if you do this thing, then you get this outcome. That sounds very close to God's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But the difference is the obedience part of it, not the task part of it. And I'm afraid that many of us have taken things that should be acts of obedience, like prayer, worship, giving of our tithes and our offerings, giving of our time. These should be spiritual acts of worship, obedient acts of worship that do come with with a reward, but I'm not entitled to tell what the reward is. But what the Pharisee thing does is try to say, well, Lord, I prayed. How come you didn't do this thing for me? Well, Lord, I I gave an offering. How come I'm struggling financially? Lord, I, I did this thing. How come I didn't get a reward attached to it? I'm entitled to it. It's a completely different mindset. I don't care how Jesus decides to reward me. I just want to obey him, and he can reward me however he wants to. If, if, if I sow money and I don't reap money back, I don't care as long as Jesus rewards me however he sees fit. See, some people sow finances and reap health or reap peace in your home. Like, man, we, we still don't have finances where we want them to be, but we're faithful in our tithes and offerings, but our home is filled with peace. Maybe that's your reward. But the Pharisee strips all of that loving part of the obedience and loving part of of Jesus gets to decide how he rewards us. And it says, hey, I did this. You owe me. You owe me. It's transactional. It's a transaction. I did my thing. You do your thing. That's it. I don't need to talk to you. I don't need to feel from you. I don't need to be convicted by you. I don't need to to let you decide how you want to reward me. It's It's a transaction. It should be a beautiful act, not a transaction. It should be an intimate thing. But the leaven of the Pharisee sneaks in, and it says that God is the center of my life, and it says that God is the most important thing, and he's real and should be, should be pursued and worshiped, right? It says all that, but it doesn't actually let him invade their life. So because we believe that God is real, but we don't let him interact with us. It makes us have a God who's distant, far away, and like chiseled stone. 
And it's the Pharisee mentality that will do that. It will cause it will cause people that know better to feel like God is far, far away or that he doesn't care. And it's the Pharisee mindset. It's the leaven of the Pharisee. It's like, hey, yeah, God is real, but he's not involved. Are you all okay? So we take what should be an offering and we turn it into a task. Instead of it being the fruit of an intimate relationship, it becomes a transaction. And we take what should be life-giving revelation that Jesus gives us through the intimate friendship and we turn it into information. Hey, Siri. Hey, we treat God like Siri. Hey, (laughs) see, look at that. This This is a scary time we live in. George Orwell. Oh my goodness. That was, that's why I hid my watch back here. I was like, I know she's good. Uh, the Google, Hey, Google it. Just find it out. I just need the information. I don't want like, Hey, when was this thing? And we look it up, right? We treat God like Google or Siri. Hey, I just need the information because I'll, I'll know how to handle the information when you give it to me. Like I, I know what to do with it. Just give it to me. That's not how this works. Like, his words are life. We don't get to take them and apply them as information. It's not information. God's word, listen to me, the word, the Bible, when he speaks, it's not information. It's not zeros and ones. It's life. When he speaks, it's life. His word is life. It's not information. It's not just a book that we read in reference to. It's life. We can't treat it like it, like it's information. It's the word of God. It holds the world together. But a Pharisee mindset will come in and will begin to treat his words like they're information. And we'll quote scripture like it's just information. But it's not information. It's life. And the the biggest problem with all this is that it leads to self-righteousness. Like, there's more, and we'll get into more next week. But self-righteousness becomes, it becomes the clothes that we wear. And he says that our righteousness is filthy rags. You know, I use the example of taking a dirty cloth and trying to clean up a mess. It just takes the dirt that's on the cloth and adds it to the mess. It makes it worse. That's what happens when we come to to God with our religion and our traditions and our our things that we think are spiritual. We say, hey, I'm bringing these things to help clean up the mess. He's like, your righteousness is filthy rags. Like you, you can't clean this up with your rags. You have to have my righteousness. You can't get access to that righteousness without surrender. It doesn't come through conquest. It doesn't come through, oh, I made it to the next level. Oh, I, I read this, this book of the Bible. I've gone through this training. I've gone, okay, I'm now at the next level. I got a new badge on my Christian thing, right? Like, that's not how this works. It's an intimate relationship. And years ago, I had this, this idea, this, this like picture that flashed through my head of, you know, we see life going, going forward, right? Like we start out as a little bitty baby and we're completely needy, yeah. can't do anything on our own. 
and we grow until we can do some things on our own, and then we grow up, and then we become a child who can do more things on our own. Then we become a teenager, and we can't do anything on our own again. And we go back. I'm teasing teenagers. All right, then we go. Then we become adolescents, and then we grow into adulthood, and then we become older and older and older. Right? We see that progress of life, and the thought is that the older I get, the wiser I get. The older I get, the, the more understanding I have. And that is true in life in so many ways. But in the kingdom, that's not how it works. In the kingdom, it's the complete opposite of this. He says, unless you become a little child, you can't have the kingdom. So when our mindset, we're thinking, I got to get more information. I got to get more mature. I got I to do more stuff and build up more muscles so that I can have the kingdom. He wants us to just come as a little child who says, I can't do anything, Jesus. Like, I can't do this. Like, I act like I can. I think I can handle it. I can run my business, my marriage, my family, my household, whatever it is. I can't do it without you. That is the way that we get the fullness of the kingdom as we become a child again. And so I begin to process what would it look like to go backwards in time and become a child to be a believer. And that's what the Lord's talking to us about. Like, this Pharisee mindset has a hierarchy to it. It's like the longer you know Jesus, the more authority that you have, the more power that you have, the more prayers, prayers you get answered, the more things you see happen because you've been in this a longer time. You have seniority, right? You've earned, like that's the way our world system is built. You've been here longer, you have more rewards. Unless, you know, customer service with, you know, phone companies like, they give better deals to new people. But anyway, that's a side, side point, annoying thing to me. But in our, in our world system, like the longer you're here, the longer you're, the more rewards you have, the more benefits that you have, the, 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 you're, you're seen with greater respect because you're older. But in the kingdom, that, ha- that has nothing to do with it in the kingdom. Because none of us stand before God in our own account. None of us stand before him and bring him anything that we created ourselves. Think, think to some of your greatest victories in life. Anything comes, like, man, I'm victorious over that. I conquered that. You got a new job somewhere. You fought hard for a promotion. Guess what? All of that stuff, we didn't do on our own. Not one of those conquests happened because of my power, because of my might, or because of my wisdom. Not one. Not one single thing have I ever done in my life happened because of Jared. It happened because of the grace of God. It's grace. It's grace. And strangely, the longer we are Christians, the more we stop believing that. It shouldn't be that way. The longer we're in this, the more self-righteous we become. Well, we know the rules. We've learned how the game works. No, we haven't. The game is still the same. It's faith. You enter the door. You walk with Jesus. He deals with all the stuff as you walk with him. He speaks over your life. And we've, we've forgotten how we came into the kingdom. Yeah. And self-righteousness comes with that same Pharisee spirit. Y'all still good? Y'all, st- y'all can't, you better come back next week. <laughs> we got to keep it going. Like the Lord's doing something. And, and, and when I feel the Lord give attention to something, I don't want to change the subject until he says stop. Yeah. 
And I know he's doing something in this. I know there's a, he's bringing all of us to a, to a place, back to the origin story, back to the simplicity of just following Jesus. Like we've made it so complicated. We were, talk, we we're about to, to launch the, a new discipleship tool, a ministry for our church. And when we were talking about it, I was like, all I know is it needs to be simple. I, I've, I've written, I have, Mandy laughs at me because I've got some of these amazing, great plans for discipleship programs and training things. And I've written them all out and I've got them all organized. And, and, and many times, some of you have been around me for a long time, I'll bring it, I'll bring this whole convoluted, crazy, difficult plan and made it real difficult. And we've done that to Christianity. And the Lord's like, no, let's, let's get back. It's really simple. Yeah. It's really simple. Yeah. And so I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to ask the same thing as last week. Like, if you feel the Lord is, is driving out this, this Pharisee leaven, this, this religious mindset, this self-righteous uh, clothing that we've put on ourselves, if that applies to you, I want you to come here to the front, find a place of prayer, I'm not going to say anything else from here. I'm just going to open. The the altars are open. I will pray before we go. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come. You're the great convictor. (laughs) You're the searchlight. And I ask that you would shine your light on me, on this house. We know you're starting something in us. We know that you're doing a good work. We ask that you would continue. We give you permission. Please cut us with your word. Please remove the Pharisee leaven out of our hearts. Make us like children again. We cast aside our self-righteousness, our traditions, our knowings. We lay them aside right now, and we come to you as humble babies. We're just babies, and we need you. Come on. Like we need you. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. In you, we live, we move, we have our being. Yes, I do none of this apart from you. You said you're the vine, we're the branches. Apart from me, you said, we can do nothing. And so, God, I ask that you would touch hearts today. In Jesus' name, come on to the front if you will.